Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to Marvel's The Pull List for new comics on sale June 19th, 2019. I'm Ryan, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Tucker Marcus. And, uh, Tucker, did you know this is our 25th episode of 2019? Took me a second to remember what you were in. <laughs> uh, okay, for context. First of all, no, I didn't know that. I did know we, we just kind of passed 75 episodes yeah, we, we overall. Had, yeah, we had about 50. We started very early in 2018, yeah. so it's... Roughly, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I've been numbering them right. uh, in, in the way I keep my notes. And so I no, this one is number yeah. 25. But it, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Plus, we got like bonus episodes and stuff in there. We're, yeah, we're, yeah. We're, I don't uh, count the bonuses. Anyway, that's interesting to know. But for further context about why you had a hard time remembering what year <laughs> it was, uh, you just got back from the vaunted E-cubed. Is that what it's called? <laughs> I want to throw up. I've never heard someone <laughs> call it E-cubed. That's awful. Uh, yeah, E3, the electronic... And I Entertainment Expo. That sounds Lorraine great. remembers it, and she always co- she corrects me on this week at Marvel. <laughs> Whatever it is, E three. It's a big video game show. It's super fun, uh, and had a great time. We had two Marvel games there: Marvel's Avengers and Marvel Ultimate Alliance Three: The Black Order. Uh, it was really cool. If you are just joining us, we do talk about comics on the show. We're going to run through all the new comics, the print, the digital, the collections, stuff that's hitting the apps, including Marvel Unlimited. Uh, first up, Tucker, you're going to take it away. Sure. Uh, we are starting with Age of X Men Next Gen. Number five, it's written by Ed Brisson with art by Lucas Wernick, uh, colors by Jason Keith and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. This is the conclusion of this limited series as as we've kind of last week and this week, we uh, are concluding a bunch of these Age of X-Men uh, limited series. They've been so much fun. I really love this one. And I, I've over these five issues and over the five issues of each limited series, I've kind of started to see this next gen series is like, this is kind of the heart of the age of X-Men offerings because this has this really amazing youthful spirit to it has this really amazing team spirit to it. And, and it really kind of hits home in a very specific way um, that I really, really appreciate. And, and it's something really cool, especially coming from Ed Brisson, who I think has, at least for me in the last year or so really kind of staked his claim as like this amazing action adventure writer books like old man logan and now dead man logan uh books like x-force uh he just has such a command of those like rock and roll like fiery awesome books so this series of course has no shortage of action and specifically thinking of the end of issue number four where there's kind of these insurgents have kind of emerged in the age of x-men there was a bombing but Overall, as we look at the dynamics of this team, it, it really comes down to the, the heart and soul of it all in a big way. We get some great quiet moments with the team, of course, starring our man, Mr. Glob. Um, uh, if you are looking for heartbreaking Glob Herman moments, yep. boy, this is the book for you because yeah. it's got two of them. And I was crushed by it. I know. I, I, I love it specifically, like just flipping through the book. Especially in the last half, there's a lot of pink on these pages, which is great because yeah. that means there's a ton of glob action. And uh, it's like exactly like you said, there's a lot of I don't want to tip too much off about about what goes down exactly, especially as we move towards the end. But it was great stuff. Really, really loved this entry into X, Age of X-Men. Yeah. And you were talking about a book about um, the youths. Yes. And uh, it's you know, it's pretty amazing. Because Ed Brisson, seventy-five years old, just writing those young yep. kids like a like a champ. It's his withered Canadian skin, just, just so frail. The winds of the north, just, just 
battering him. Hair coming out of every orifice. He yeah. is just an... No, he's not. That is, that is wonderful. <laughs> and he's sweet and he's a young man. Up next is Age of X-Men, The Amazing Nightcrawler, number five, written by Shauna McGuire, art by Juan Fregari, and colors by Dono Sanchez Almada, with letters by VC's Travis Lanham. Uh, and this is my first pick of the week. Um, you know, mentioning those Glob Herman moments and like those, those things. And mm-hmm. this one in here... This is a heartbreaker. And, you know, Nightcrawler is one of, I think, many people's favorite X-Men. If you are of a certain age and having grown up with the uncanny X-Men out of, like, the the first half of Chris Claremont's run, um, I think you you really connect to Nightcrawler. Or if you were an Excalibur person, because he leaves the X-Men and goes and joins Excalibur, there's this, like, very deep affinity that we have for Nightcrawler. And he's just this like bastion of purity, and he's the one of the hearts of the X Men. And so this story has been, you know, following him and, and and the ups and downs, and trying to be this good hero in this world, follow the laws. He believes, in, like he's he's like, but I believe in what we're doing and who we are. Mm-hmm. At the same time, he is in his heart, he is everything against what this age of X-Men universe is all about. So this, the, the dichotomy of it all has been so well handled by Sean and, and the team. And so here he's put between a rock and a hard place to choose between his emotions and love and, and family or his sense of duty and belief in this world uh, from romantic entanglement. And that's that idea that that frees you from, you know, the trappings mm-hmm. uh, of, of connection and all that stuff. You know, the idea that there's this child that is his child and he has to decide, do I go and live with my the child and the woman I love and, and go against everything I've believed in or do I let them go free to have the life that I wish I could have but I go forward to let them have that right. life without me? Yeah. And, and so they're not trapped by the fact that he'll be hunted he'll be looked after and stuff like that so um, of course there's great action in here you got kurt and and megan teaming up to fight pretty much everyone in the issue it's real fun but our fuzzy elf he's so good yeah he's a total hero he's just big big moments i'm not going to give anything away Uh, all right up next is captain america number 11 and oh man i can't wait for y'all to find out who the dryad is that's like that's that's the thing sort of Driving nice. this book. Driving? No, I, I'll stick with driving. I think I get it. Yeah. I think I understand what you're saying. I'm glad. Uh, <laughs> it's written uh, by Ta-Nehisi Coates, art by Adam Kubert, colors by Matt Mila, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. And, um, you know, when I'm talking about the Dryad, we've, we've seen the Daughters of Liberty in here in this group of heroes who is working to help out Cap. We do not find out who the Dryad is this issue, but I know who it is. Do you know who it is? No. Oh, you don't? Can you just mouth it to me? Uh, 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 one more time. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> okay. Did that pick up? Did you hear that? I don't think so. Okay, great. All right. All right. Good. We'll, Make we'll sure triple check. Yeah. Triple but... check that one. Whoa. Uh, that's yeah. cool. Oh, also, uh, before we go any further, we have to announce our new audio producer. Who yes. Has replaced evil producer, Brandon. He is now gone and dead. Uh, he's buried in the backyard. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but we have a new audio producer. Her name is Becca, and uh, she was given a new moniker 
in uh, our This Week in Marvel recording uh, by James Monroe Iglehart. BBBTB, Triple BTB, which Mm was, I'm going to say it's Big Becca Bad to the Bone. I think I'm just like afraid of sticking to it. Yeah. Oh, well, then we're definitely sticking to it. (laughs) Triple B, uh, Big Bad Becca, Bad to the Bone. Whoa. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So she's here. She's going to be the villain of the show uh, along (laughs) with uh, Triple P, our perturbed producer, Persia. And uh, yeah, got to keep moving along. So with Cap, he's, uh, this is a big battle issue. He's leading a breakout of the supervillain prison alongside the villains, which brings up a bunch of interesting conversations and thoughts in Cap's head and a bunch of fun moments. Um, There's a really great one where he convinces them to roll with him. Like the way he actually sways the villains to get on his side is just pure Captain America. And the Daughters of Liberty have cool code names like the Dryad and many others. They're super badasses. I love, uh, I love everything going on in this arc. And of course, Adam's layouts and that flowing action, it's, there's like almost a sense of kung fu fluidity mm. in the way he does uh, his panel layouts. He's a master. Of course he is. Okay, from one cap to another, we have Captain Marvel number seven. Uh, this is a War of the Realms tie-in, and it's written by Kelly Thompson with art by Anna Paula Martella, colors by Tom Lane, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Captain Marvel is in near Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, and she is working alongside Doctor Strange and Black Widow, but not in the way you think, because uh, Captain Marvel and Stephen Strange have body-swapped Body popping, body swapping, body. Uh, it feels like a song from I'm, the 80s. We're body popping and mm. body swapping. Yeah, synth. Yep. <laughs> yeah, just someone going synth, synth, synth. Um, uh, which is so much fun. Uh, I, I love that element of this story. And Kelly, of course, like one of the most fun, light on her feet delightful storytellers around um, just makes it, you know, she just rings it out for everything that you could uh, hope it to be. They're down in South America on a special War of the Realms mission together. And it's really cool not only to see Captain Marvel and Doctor Strange do their best to kind of manifest each other's powers, but it's also really cool to see ultimately them working really well together, not just as a duo, but as a trio alongside Natasha. It's re- it's really, really cool. Yeah. You were you're flipping through pages and you almost passed, well, you did pass by one of my favorite sequences in the book is there's a conversation between uh, Captain Marvel and Doctor Strange where they are around a campfire mm-hmm. and in the background... Black Widow is fighting a crocodile yeah. uh, and like they're not paying any attention to her, but the it's a really fun moment where she's like kicking the crocodile and then gets brought down into the water and then she comes out carrying the crocodile. It is tremendous. Yeah, it's really great. But yeah, this this uh, wraps up this little mini War of the Realms arc that we have here alongside these heroes going up against the Enchantress. It's really, really fun. Just a dang delay all the way through. Uh, moving on, we are talking about Daredevil number seven, written by Chip Zdarsky, with art by Lalit Kumar Sharma, inks by Jay Lyston, and colors by Hava Tartaglia, and VCs Clayton Cowles on the lettering. Big development for Kingpin in this issue, and Chip writes a very compelling Wilson Fisk, uh, like where he's at, what he's been through, and where he sees his future. I'm not going to spoil any of that stuff, but I think if you are a Kingpin fan, or just someone who's curious about where the Kingpin is in the Marvel Universe. It's really neat to see this. And I know what Chip has planned for this and how he wants to see mm-hmm. Wilson's story go. It's, I'm very much into it. Uh, I do want to give a big shout out to Clayton specifically here uh, for the lettering in this issue. There's a, 
a bit in here. There's a number of moments in here where the lettering really stood out to me, but there's one where Matt's heartbeat is like thump thump. Like you can mm-hmm. see it. It's like bum 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 And the way that the lettering looks different from any other lettering in the book and it stands out, it's it's used very much as part of the art and it's used really, really well. Yeah. It establishes that sense of panic and fear that Matt goes through and you can see that in the art, but it really elevates that page even further. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my favorite scenes of any comic this week is in here and there's a scene in a church and Matt is talking with a nun and he says, quote, I don't think I deserve God's love. And it, like, it's this really heavy scene and I'm not a religious person, but that really hit me that like sense of this person who is, has deep faith and has worked so hard to deal with like the life that he leads and the conflict that that brings him into. And they say, I don't think I deserve God's love is wild. I, it was really good, really yeah. powerful. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have Deadpool number 14. This is another War of the Realms tie in. It's written by Scotty Young, illustrated and colored by Nick Klein, lettered by Jeff Eckleberry. We are a reminder in Australia. Deadpool has teamed up with the Aussie Avengers to fight Ulick the Troll and some of his comrades. It is so fun. This has been like a great shot in the arm, in my opinion, for, for the series, which I love. Uh, and Scotty, you know, obviously one of the greats. But but I've just there's something about the this War of the Realms tie-in that uh, for me has really really worked, and it's just been so much fun to see. There's also some really great action stuff in here. I, I think Nick Klein is just a fabulous art artist he's so so good especially knowing that he does his own colors as well because we get a little luke cage and uh, iron fist action here they team up with deadpool to take on this kind of army of trolls and there are some really big splash pages looks fantastic and then uh dp flies off to uh to continue his own his own stuff indeed yeah all right up next is guardians of the galaxy number six it's Part six of six of the final gauntlet written by Donnie Cates, art by Jeff Shaw, colors by David Curiel and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. And this is my first pick of the week. This is the uh, final issue of the first arc of this series. Uh, It's the final gauntlet part six of six, you know, especially coming off of reading uh, Silver Surfer Black last week. Donnie just has a very specific way of writing. We know this. He loves this kind of elevated tone. He he loves just telling huge stories. And obviously, we, we loved Silver Surfer Black last week. I really love this issue of Guardians because it felt like, you know, when I mentioned that Donnie kind of has his own type of storytelling and therefore he has his own set of metrics and kind of scale, even for a Donnie issue, this felt huge and really epic. And you can tell that, like, because it's so the rhythm is so perfect and the beats come out so beautifully in this issue whether it's the the guardians kind of like coalescing and teaming up together the stuff between star lord and gamora and gamora and the rest of the avengers or everyone else that's kind of swirling around this kind of this chaotic kind of eye of the storm that's been started by the death of Thanos and then the kind of return of Thanos's consciousness and then Hela came into the picture in a big way which is really really cool love to see Donnie write Hela so all of that's going on and just the way that Jeff Shaw 
arranges the panels, the way that the captions are done. There's just a rhythm to it that is just like this drum beat that just gets louder and louder through the the issue that works. It just works so beautifully when that dovetails just strictly if you're looking at how your eye is led across the page plus what's going on in the narrative. And I think that all that is a product of, you know, Donnie being a meticulous planner, having this amazing symbiotic relationship with Jeff Shaw and just knowing that this is where the first arc was going to end up. And then all the work has been done to set up every single one of these beats in this issue. And now the dominoes are falling and it's just blink, 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 blink all the way down. And it, it just works so beautifully uh, there's so, so much comic in this comic and, uh, yeah, one of my, f- maybe probably my favorite issue of Guardian so far. Yeah. And that Cosmic Ghost Rider stuff. Yeah. Oh man. And where he goes. Ooh-wee. Really cool. Uh, spoilers. He goes to Carvel. He wants to get some really nice ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, up next is Marvel's Spider-Man City at War. Number four. Written by Dennis Hopeless Hallam, art by Michele Bandini, colors by David Curiel, letters by VCs Travis Lanham. And uh, this issue focuses on Doc Ock, Dr. Octopus, along with, of course, some Peter and Mary Jane and Spider-Man stuff. But the Ock story in the game and the book is, it's like, it's such a sad one. His path to villainy is is like caused by his health mm-hmm. in the game. It's not like he's just like, ah, Spider-Man, you're a jerk. He's yeah. a good person. And his health deteriorates uh, because he's losing the use of his limbs through a neurological disorder. But he has such a brilliant mind and his mind is still healthy that he he has built these arms and this this technology that allows him to control these arms, even though he can't control his own physical arms. But there's something wrong. And he's so he's trying to push forward, push forward, push forward. He's not taking enough time to perfect the technology and it starts to mess with his brain mm. and it starts to ch- change his his persona and and like his, his brain chemistry and everything so it, it's affecting his mind it's twisting his thoughts his judgment and and who he is and it really like whether it's in this book or even when I was playing the game it reminds me of of Alzheimer's mm. and how uh, terrified I am of Alzheimer's and uh, happening to my mom or to me because it happened to my grandfather and that was just it's a brutal brutal uh, disease and and this is sort of to me uh, an analog to yeah. that and the way that Ock handles it is such a it it's yeah it'll it'll get you um, a great story but um, I, I took it in a very different personal direction yeah yeah uh, okay, next up this week, very exciting. We have issue four of Marvel's Annotated uh, out for the 25th anniversary. Of course, it's written by Kurt Busiek with art by Alex Ross, letters by Richard Starkings and John Goschel. Uh, I've been doing a lot looking back on uh, Marvel's for the 25th anniversary. Got to chat with both of the, the, the major players, both Kurt and Alex recently. Really, really cool stuff. And of course, this is the issue where we dig into a lot of Spidey history. Just, you know, what can you say? It's a landmark series for reason what an amazing uh gift this has been to look back and 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 not just reread the original story but have all the extra back matter all the uh just some 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 great interviews to have all the context from the creators just because it's something worthy of uh, such a deep dive and these four issues are just absolute keepers Okay, going from one uh, Spidey-centric issue to another, we have Miles Morales Spider-Man number seven. Uh, 
which is written by Saladin Ahmed, and a, a bunch of art credits on this one, including pencils by Ron Atkins, inks by Dexter Vines, and other art assists by Aletha E. Martinez and Vanessa R. Del Rey, and of course, Mr. Javier Garon pitching him right at the end. Colors by David Curiel and Eric Arseniega and letters by VC's Corey Pettit. This issue is kind of all centered around one of my favorite relationships in the entire Marvel Universe, and that is the one between Miles and his uncle Aaron. Both of these characters are so well-defined and so... You just feel closest to them in a way that you do... Or certainly with Uncle Aaron in a way that's kind of you do it in spite of yourself because he's such a magnetic personality. We know he has a checkered past, but you just can't help yourself. And I think that's the power of Uncle Aaron. It's this kind of the power of family. It's the power of the connection that Miles has with him because there's something deep down that is really good about the man. And then as we jump into uh, the, you know, uh, the side of the Spider-Man dichotomy uh, of Miles's life, we have some action uh, that is very interesting, pulling in some uh, elements of Brian Michael Bendis's, specifically I'm thinking of kind of the end of his run. There is a wild status quo change in this issue for Miles that is super exciting. I mean, like your head is spun three times around in three different ways as you near the end of this issue because a lot goes down. I'm really, really interested to see what it all means. But uh, I, I, even as I was reading it, I was kind of, kind of couldn't believe it, but it's great stuff. You want to talk about people having some action, huh? Yes. Yeah, some action right in there. I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Up next is Savage Sword of Conan, number six, written by Meredith Finch, art by Luke Ross, colors by Nolan Woodard, letters by VCs Travis Lanham. I love Luke Ross's Conan. Like Seriously. So I good. thought the same thing. So awesome. Just so broody and the furrowed brow, the sense of anger and rage and fury that is just about to be unleashed at any given moment. It's like, it's palpable. Um, The story, real cool too. It's actually connected to a Conan story called Night of the Dark God from 1974's Savage Tales number four, as well as a prose Conan story called The Dark Man. You don't have to, like me, you don't have to have read any of those to fully enjoy this. You get all the context you need. But if you do know any of those others, it adds a whole bunch of extra layers. But this issue, proper revenge tale, twofold. Like it's a double revenge. Uh, the last shot is so dope. Uh, yeah. Just the, the way Luke draws Conan. I'm, I'm into it. Uh, next up, we have Shuri number nine, which is written by Nitty Okora Four, with art by Rachel Stott, colors by Carlos Lopez, and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. I love this issue because it continues to do what uh, something that I'm really, really loved. I've really loved about Nitty's run with Shuri is just explore more and more these the kind of every single crevice and corner of Wakanda, places that we haven't seen before, places that we know exist places that just have kind of a built-in entire history and mythology of their own that you can just feel as you're reading. One of them I'm thinking of is the like vibranium mines of Wakanda, which is really, really cool. Not only do we have that aspect, but we have Shuri teaming up kind of going through this this story alongside Storm, which is uh, really, really wonderful. And I think specifically as we have Shuri in the Black Panther costume, kind of carrying the moniker at the moment, in Wakanda, it adds so much depth to that because of Aurora's kind of history with T'Challa, because of her history with with the royal family, and all that she brings to the table as well in her own right. Plus, 
We get freaking awesome bug action. Yeah. It's just uh, so cool. La, 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 la. That's what that's a bug sound. <laughs> yeah. Uh right? Is that I'm I'm not You know like with... when people go like this, I'm making the international sign for choking. That means it's the international sign for choking. Make that sound. International sign for giant bugs. Yeah. <laughs> uh all right. Up next is Spider Man <sighs> and the League of Realms number three, written by Sean Ryan, illustrated by Nico Leone and Marco Faia, with colors by Carlos Lopez and Andrew Crossley, lettered by VCs Joe Caramagna. This is, of course, a War of the Realms tie-in issue. Um, this is the final part of this. There is something here. I would say if you're going to read War of the Realms War Scrolls number three, also a- a- as well as this, read War Scrolls number three first. Yeah. Um, we'll get into that a little bit later. We'll read that first. So that out of the way, the identity of Curse is fully revealed in this issue. So we know who Curse is and what that means to this crew that Spider-Man is with, this League of Realms team um, who we've seen in the pages of Thor before, we've seen in the, the War of the Realms story. That idea is connected to War Scrolls. Um, and neither is necessary to the other, but it'll really help you in here. So the woman trapped inside the Curse armor, she has deep ties. And so it's the power of friendship that may or may not be the only way to save her, which I love that. Like yeah. just the idea <laughs> that like, there are people who are so important to you and you to them that they can take, you know, bring you back from the abyss. Right. That that idea is so powerful because it can be so true for so many people. You know, like having strong people on your side is is always wonderful. Also, to help her get out of her situation, it's magic and fighting and stuff that that mm-hmm. is also key. I love it. It's a really sweet sequence, a really sweet issue. I dug the heck out of it. Totally. Okay. Next up is my second pick of the week. And it's Star Wars number 67. It is the farewell issue on the main Star Wars series for Mr. Kieran Gillen. What an incredible 30-something issue run. Um, Just uh, just amazing, amazing work. Congrats to him. Uh, It's been just an incredible ride. Such good stuff. Art on this issue is by Angel Nzueta, colors by Guru VFX, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. This is part six of The Scourging of Show to Run. I mean, we've been building to this for a really long time. And in that way, I think this has a lot of, shares a lot with my other pick of this week uh, of, of Guardians of the Galaxy number six, because it's that that kind of hallmark of great storytelling where you've done all the work and now you, you can just run without having to deal with exposition, without having to slow anything down where just everything that happens makes perfect sense because you know what everyone's perspective is, you know why they're there, you know what they want, you know where they're going or or where they're trying to go at least. And, and, and that definitely feels like uh, that is the perfect description of this issue for me. There's a great combination of that that classic Star Wars kind of uh, trope where you're jumping between a bunch of different scenes at the same time, stuff happening on the planet's surface, stuff happening in the Falcon above the planet. Ultimately, ultimately, you know, we talk about show to run, we talk about Queen Trios, we talk about all these things that are are really major for Kieran's run on Star Wars. If you zoom out even more, this run and where Kieran has taken us is just enormous for the overall story of Star Wars because we started talking about this a while ago, which is, you know, Kieran has been telling the story in the aftermath of A New Hope. And as we 
get to the final pages of this story, Kieran hands off the baton now to Greg Pak, who is going to start telling more of a thread that is a, a in the lead up to Empire Strikes Back, which is really exciting. I think that just informs a lot in a bunch of different ways. But this has all the great space opera vibes that you could that you could ask for. It's just really, really excellent stuff. Again, um, congrats to Kieran. Just a, an amazing run and, and a great finish right here. Yeah, I would love to have some sort of silly Kieran-like pun yeah. to use here, but I don't. He's yeah. just a sweetheart, yeah. and I love him, and uh, proud of all the work he's done, and continues to do on his own books now. Totally. Uh, all right, up next is Star Wars Dr. Afra number 33. This is written by Simon Spurrier, art by Wilton Santos, Caspar Vindgard, and Andrea Bocardo, with inks by Mark Deering and Walden Wong, colors by Chris O'Halloran and Stefan Petru, lettering by VCs Joe Caramagna. Man, the first two pages of this issue, of this issue are bonkers. Uh, it is got Afra and Tolvin meeting again for the first time in a little while and the conversation and the action. And I was just like, my jaw hit the floor and I was yeah. like, what? And then you next page you go and it is a flashback. Like we had last issue flashback to a young little Afra with her mom and, and figuring things out. But I found these, the flashbacks in here so powerful. And it, it's really, it's conversation between Afra and her mom about the nature of good and evil, of right and wrong, of power, of of just what goes on, and it's sort of a like a like almost like a splash of water in a child's face about right. well, here here's kind of the way the world works, mm-hmm. but it's the way the world works in her mom's view. It's ever and sort of that's kind of part of the message is everything is someone's point of view of something and everything you know sort of factors around that when even if alert alert star wars theme coming through right there (laughs) that's a big one yeah you know i think back to star wars games i've played and the movies and everything you know all revolving around like well if you just shift your view you're looking at it from someone else's perspective and Mm -hmm. their perspective is completely they're they're in the right yeah and like how that manifests itself through the story through the things that afra sees in the present day in her present day is wonderful we get a little cameo by mon mothma yeah love senator mon mothma <laughs> there's a cool droid in here some great moments afra and tolvin stuff uh, if you're looking for great romance you're not gonna find it in here <laughs> uh next up uh, our third star wars issue this week this is star wars tie fighter number three Oh, man, this one was excellent. Nearly yeah. one of my picks of the week. Me too. Yeah. The story is by Jody Hauser. Of course it is um, because she knows Star Wars. She loves Star Wars. And she is excellent at writing Star Wars. The art is by Rohe Antonio and Geraldo Borges. Colors by Arif Prianto and Lee Ridge, And letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. This essentially is kind of a really interesting analysis of like different factions within the empire, different shades of gray within the empire. Something that I I love about this issue. One is just the abundance of awesome, like space battle art and space battle, just that urgency that you feel. And I think it's captured really beautifully before you move any further. One of the things I wanted to point out in this issue and you on the pages that you're looking at, normally we see the, the folks who are piloting any of the ships in star Wars. If, especially when they're Imperial, they have masks on, right? Mm-hmm. And they have helmets and all this other stuff. Well, the our, our Shadow Squadron here, 
they are wearing their TIE fighter, you know, uh, pilot masks and, and helmets and gear and stuff. But the artists do something really cool, whereas they make that part transparent. So you can tell that that's that they're wearing it. But uh, the importance of seeing a character's face and have that acting presented to you to give that emotion and that that sense of what they're feeling, what they're doing, what they're thinking, especially when you have great artists like we have here. Yeah, I thought that was a really effective thing. I don't remember seeing it very often. Yes, I thought the same exact thing. I couldn't remember if we'd talked about it before, but yeah, I totally agree. It's really, really cool. And, you know, I think that kind of is a microcosm of what this book is doing as a whole, which is like putting a face on some of these Imperials and giving them life and, and, and allowing you to see through their, like you were mentioning earlier, point of view. And it's really cool. I mean, like, we get the the kind of space battle scene where a bunch of enemy ships come in at a hyperspace and immediately launch into space battle, but it's flipped. And instead of being like, you know, it, Richard Trapp, we get, you know, rebels. Where do they come from? You know what I mean? Because we have X-Wings attacking. We don't get to see the from inside the X-Wing cockpit like we always do. We see just kind of like these ships and, and it, it, all the roles are reversed. The pacing of the book is so wonderful. It's all Jody Hauser. I mean, she does it best. Next up, we have Tony Stark, Iron Man, number 13. This is a War of the Realms tie-in. Uh, ring the War of the Realms, Klaxon. Clang, 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 War of the Realms, War of the Realms. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Yep. This is written by Gail Simone, just the dang best, uh, with art by Paolo Villanelli, colors by Edgar Delgado, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. You know, knowing what Dance Lot has been doing in this series and then knowing that War of the Realms is coming up, knowing that Dan is working both on the future of Tony Stark Iron Man, but as well as Fantastic Four, a bunch of other things, to be able to hand this off to someone to tell this story, because there's so much at play, and because it's such an idiosyncratic character, for just a ton of different reasons, there's a bunch of new characters involved, uh, like all these things, like you, you have to hand it off to someone who is just an elite comic book writer. And so of course, Gail Simone is the one who's telling this story. And this issue is so much fun as a result, because we have, we have a great villain that is really fun in a kind of like love to hate him kind of way Two, we have the kind of, you can feel the weight and the, the pressure of, of war of the realms at large kind of looming over everything. But then we also have those threads that are pulled in from the Tony Stark Iron Man world that we're kind of that dance lot has recently established with the Eastscape and everything like that with this kind of VR inspired look at things. So there's so much happening here. We have these kind of mystical elements. We have this kind of War of the Realms aspect that are at play. We have monsters. We have uh, villains. We have uh, the New York Stock Exchange. There's so much going on here. Speaking of monsters and villains, all right? <laughs> Boom. <laughs> That is what I'm talking Shot about. Fired. Hell yeah. Um, uh, we also have some really interesting and great romance stuff, which is so cool. We, What I love most about that side of things is I think Gail just perfectly captures Tony's psyche and like how he thinks to himself, how he talks to himself, how he thinks of himself. And to be able to play that moment through that lens and, and allow that just to be something where we're not just learning something about this this romance but we're learning something about tony specifically and about you know like 
his self-image and, and all these different things. It's really, really wonderful. No shortage of monsterific action in this one. Just great stuff. Yeah. And uh, to anyone who's listening who may work uh, on Wall Street or the New York Stock Exchange, <laughs> I'm just having some fun. Uh, all right. Up next is Uncanny X-Men number 20. Uh, this is written by Matthew Rosenberg, art by Salvador La Roca, colors by Guru EFX, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Uh, we got some sick, sick 90s-ness in this issue with the return of the upstarts. Shinobi Shaw, Sienna Blaze, Trevor Fitzroy, Fabian Cortez. Have you ever heard of any of those characters? No, that Didn't I can, think so. already feels like the most 90s thing of all time. I love it so much. This so is cool. like the core of when... I really was like deep in my X-Men run and like started going back. But mm-hmm. like, man, the upstarts, Shinobi Shaw, he is uh, Sebastian Shaw's son. Okay. At one point, he quote unquote killed Sebastian Shaw. Didn't stick, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, Sienna Blaze, she's fine. Trevor Fitzroy is the time traveling uh, arch foe of Bishop who came f- from the future to the past. He had okay. a really cool, weird set of armor. And Fabian Cortez, uh, he tried to kill Magneto uh, while being part of Magneto's crew. Nice. He's a big old turd. Uh, But anyway, it's real fun. Big X-Men battle with the upstarts. And then it ends like, whoa, WTF, what is going on? Uh, Matt is just on a tear here. So there's a quote unquote cure for mutant kind that we've been developing since the start of this volume. And so, you know, it, it basically... Turn it, it, it does messed up stuff. It, it's messed up. Yeah. Just a, a cure for mutant kind is not right in my mind. But um, we've uh, we've been following that since the this this run started, and now Dark Beast has developed a cure for the cure mm-hmm. to counteract that. But it is very Dark Beasty, and it pisses off the X Men. And then Ilyana goes hardcore. It's a reminder that Ilyana spent many years in limbo basically a version of hell and uh she doesn't suffer fools right it's all coming to a head as we get closer to house of x and powers of 10 a hard rain is gonna fall real soon um all right up next is unstoppable wasp number nine written by jeremy whitley art by gudahiru and letters by vc's joe caramagna and this issue was really nearly one of my picks of the week uh it gives so much action to not just nadia and not just janet and not just the Agents of Girl, but also to Monica Rappuccini and her AIM forces. So many cool ideas and powers and moments in here. Someone brings a volcano up through the floor of the Javits Center in New York, where New York Comic Con is held. Uh, which, hey man, if that happens, what are you going to do? Yeah. Oh. I'm, I'm imagining there's a lot of sulfur that gets spewed out of volcanoes. Sulfur smells. So does New York Comic Con. Oh, shots fired. Take that. Uh, I love New York Comic Con. (laughs) And um, someone else has a sick armor suit that can impersonate anyone, which is really neat. Someone else makes plants, do all kinds of things. But Janet has some of the best moments against Whirlwind. If you don't know this character, their history is gross and scary, and he deserves to be kicked in the junk repeatedly forever. The moments there, Janet has some lines in there that are just so great. I I was so thrilled to see uh, how this shook out. Totally. Uh, okay, another War of the Realms issue here with Journey into Mystery number five. This is the conclusion to this story. And it is written by the McElroys, drawn by Andre Lima Araujo, colored by Chris Halloran, and lettered by VCs Clayton Cowles. This uh, story it has just been a really, really fun fly by the seat of your pants ride because we have this 
motley crew of heroes that have come together for Vince Neil's here? Yeah. Oh. And um What's that um Klebs Bartholomew is, is um is Nikki Six in in Motley in the Motley crew with sure. the Moomlot? Is that the drummer? No, Tommy no. Lee. Tommy, Tommy Lee. Lee. Oh yeah, I he definitely is. Yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway, sorry, did not mean to break up. Um, rock and roll aside, uh, this this has been a really really fun group to see slowly become a team. You know, go from just a collection of kind of more or less random heroes into a, a group that really works together, and we get to see that happen here. They're all taking care of Lausa, who is the infant daughter of Odin and Freya, and uh, you know, amidst all of the War of the Realms action, there is a really great battle scene that happens kind of right in the middle of this where we see these heroes work together, where we see it all kind of coalesce into something special. And in, in it, it's kind of sad to see him go, right, uh, as that happens. But it, it's a great five-issue story. Well done. Malcolm Roy's really a nice uh, introduction to the Marvel Universe for them. And uh, yeah. It's great stuff. This has some really fun winking like meta moments in here too. There's one where Wonder Man calls Balder's like Balder does something cool. He says that uh, that moment that was positively Simonsonian, aka mm. Walter Simonson, mm-hmm. uh, one of the greatest Thor creators of all time. Or when Miles notes that this is our poster moment, right? Yeah, yeah. And it is legitimately them posing yeah. like they're on a poster. It's great. All right, up next is War of the Realms, War Scrolls, number three. Uh, And this is my second pick of the week. Uh, This is our anthology series for War of the Realms. And um, there's three stories in here. The first is Daredevil in The God Without Fear, written by Jason Aaron, drawn by Andrea Sorrentino, colored by Matthew Wilson. And man, whoof, whoof. Uh, the story wraps up here with the Daredevil, a.k.a. the God Without Fear, going up against Curse and Malekith. And so here's a connection to the League of Realms book we mentioned earlier. Uh, there's gorgeous, gorgeous artwork and colors by Andrea and Matt. It is just stunning. And Daredevil cuts off a frost giant's foot in the story. So, you know, it's Jason doing Jason. So it's <laughs> great. It is tremendous. The second story is a Doctor Doom joint and is called A Rose for Victor. Written by Christopher Cantwell, drawn by Sian Tormi, and colored by Dan Brown. Uh, and this one is like, it's, it's like a full epic in just a handful of pages. Yeah. It is really about how the war affects Latveria and Doctor Doom, and the price of war on the citizens, how Doom struggles, how he perseveres, wins, loses, rules. I love, everybody knows, I love Doctor Doom, and this is it's a really cool story. The third story in this issue is... She-Hulk in the Face of a Warrior. It's written by Charlie Jane Anders, drawn by Simone Darmini, colored by Federico Blee, and and Joe Sabino from Virtual Calligraphy Letters, the whole thing. Uh, big shout out to Charlie. Uh, she's a friend of mine. I've known her for years, so I was really happy uh, when this got announced, and um, uh, we hadn't talked for a bit. She, she's written a couple of really great um, sort of sci-fi novels of late. Uh, she's a journalist, but we were trying to catch up when she was on a recent book tour, but I got this and I was like, oh man, and I was so happy. It's so much fun. This one 
Uh, this story is about the Strike Force team that Freya leads to take the Black Bifrost back. Uh, and so you've got Ghost Rider, Punisher Blade, She-Hulk, and of course Freya. But it's really focused on She-Hulk and Freya talking about Thor. Uh, Shulky obviously has a thing going on with Thor while Freya is Thor's mom. So they both care about him uh, a lot. It's really sweet and smart and funny. But maybe the best line in any comic this week uh, is by She-Hulk. She's, yeah, she hits, I already know. Uh, yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. She hits uh, like a big swamp snake thing and she goes go away swamp beast women are talking and i was just i died it was it was so great so fantastic there's really sweet moments in here great action it is tremendous yeah i love the art in that that story too Uh, really 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 great stuff uh okay my last issue this week is wolverine infinity watch number five this is the last issue of wolverine infinity watch it's written by jerry duggan with art by andy mcdonald colors by Jordi Belair and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. This is a really fantastic combination of like Wolverine story plus like cosmic elements plus Loki. There's so many different aspects that are going on here. There's uh, a bunch of really cool different cosmic aspects that come into to play here as uh, the Chitauri and as Warbringer kind of uh, start to close their grasp upon uh, our heroes in this story. But there's also like these great little pit stops that we stop out for a little joke or for a really a little heartfelt exchange at times. There's a bunch of really great stuff, including some cool space uniforms that reminded me of a certain uh other space uniformed group great stuff overall i don't know what just happened uh there's like a core that of of anyway good stuff (laughs) um really enjoyed it um some of the best in the business here with jerry and andy so you can't mess up by picking this issue up yes uh also you can't mess up with our last book of the week which is x-men grand design extinction number two this is the sixth issue in ed piscor's amazing exploration of the x-men and if you don't know ed does pretty much the whole kit and caboodle he writes it he draws it he colors it inks it letters it He's 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 everything in this one. Big shout out, of course, to editor Chris Robinson and Axel Alonso for helping put this one together. But man, this one, woo! So uh, I was really expecting this issue to take us through the '90s, maybe go to Age of Apocalypse or beyond. Uh, Onslaught. I don't know. I was trying to figure out where this would end, but there's a swerve in here. It loops and it connects to other X-Men stuff, and it makes an actual. Like it actually turns Grand Design into a closed story that I was not anticipating at all. It does dig into the X-Men and the Outback, Jubilee and Gamba joining and and plenty more, as well as, of course, Extinction Agenda, which is a great crossover. Uh, It is Tucker's boss's favorite. Ron Richards' favorite is Extinction Agenda. He would be wrong. Uh, The best is (laughs) Executioner Song. Executioner Song for the win. Uh Um, But uh, it's one that I remember reading over and over and over again as a kid. I love Extinction Agenda. But in the course of ed telling the events of extinction agenda it starts to change course and um no spoilers but it was an excellent ending and of course uh, at the end you know you have all of ed's notes and references and like he literally goes page by page and tells you which issue every scene and character and thing happens from uh so if you want to go back to read all the x-men that this is based on you can um but this was it's what a feat 
Yeah. So good. So, so incredible. Okay. Those are the individual issues on sale this week. Collections on sale this week include Amazing Spider-Man Epic Collection, The Goblin Lives, Dead Man Logan Volume 1, Sins of the Father, Decades Marvel in the 90s, The Mutant Explosion, Fantastic Four Epic Collection, The More Things Change, Ms. Marvel, Metamorphosis, New X-Men, The Quest for Magic, The Complete Collection, Spider-Man, The Gauntlet, The Complete Collection, Volume 1, Thor, Volume 2, Road to War of the Realms, Uncanny X-Men, Cyclops and Wolverine, Winter Soldier, Second Chances, Incredible Hulk by Jason Aaron, The Complete Collection, uh, Moon Knight by Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Malev, Collection, Spider-Gwen, Volumes 1 through 3. That's a lot. I, yeah. That is a mix of print and digital. Uh, yeah. We have one list that we were pulling from this week. Normally, we separate uh, and just tell you the print ones, but the, that's a mix of everything. But on Marvel Unlimited, there's, of course, plenty of stuff to go through. Uh, Daughters of the Dragon, the uh, digital comic, issue number two of that series is now in Marvel Unlimited. Highly suggest you check that out. Of course, there's plenty of other stuff. Um to check out more the recent stuff, but there's also some older issues of Peter Parker, Spectacular Spider-Man from the 70s in there. And then we're adding some Daredevil in there. Issues 345 through 364 are filling in a nice gap in there on Marvel Unlimited. I know many of you uh, always ask us to fill in the gaps on the, those main series, and so we're doing it. Just takes time. Hey, you know something I saw um, Pablo Hidalgo of the Lucasfilm Story Group tweeting about this uh, week, uh, which I thought was really cool. He said he just picked a random week of issues from I think in like the 1980s on Marvel Limited and just read like I just read every one from that week, just a random week, see what was going on. It's cool. Yeah, I really thought it was awesome. Yeah. I, I, I do I, I don't read them necessarily, but I often look at random weeks because right. when I do this week in Marvel history, I look back at so many of the months and weeks of, of, of time. And so, yeah, just seeing the things pop out and, you know, I, I always find random stuff I'm like, oh my gosh, that happened at the same time right. as this? Yeah. It is wild. Yeah. It's so cool to see where Marvel was at any, you know, given certain point in history. Yeah. Really cool. It's pretty neat. Uh, that wraps it up for this week. Make sure you check out our video versions on Marvel's YouTube and Marvel.com and all the other places. And then we'll be back with another episode next week. I'm Ryan. And I'm Tucker. And this is Marvel. Your universe. <laughs>